0: because we will not get done like this i'm just telling you some of y'all are like but that's okay that's okay that's okay We, well we have a second service and those people may want your seat <laughs> but but here's what i want you to do just just remain standing for it. just one more moment if you will oblige me in this so let's just go into the word that god has for us in daniel chapter three verses one through thirty it's a there's something in this word that we're going to read today that has ramifications in our lives thousands of years later only the word of God can stand the test of time because the word of God is as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago it's not like an outfit that goes out of style it's not like a fad it is not dependent upon some historical moment that is no longer relevant in our lives the word is living you see the the, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God goes on forever and ever and ever. Somebody said, amen. Listen, before we even get into this narrative today, let me just say this. What you receive from God has less to do with my preparation and more to do with your expectation. I'm prepared to give you what God has placed within my spirit. It's been there all week long, but my delivery is not the change agent. Whether or not I'm on my A game really doesn't matter. It's not if I tell good jokes or not. None of those things really matter. What matters is is your heart ready to receive the word that God has for you. It's like the old preacher said. I'm reminded of this. An old preacher said one time that the effectiveness of preaching has everything to do with the attitude and the disposition of the people in the place. So can I ask you to raise your level of expectation today so that you can receive from the Lord what he has for you? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Touch another neighbor and say, are you ready? Now, because some of you are already seated, I'm going to let the rest of you be seated. So welcome to week number two of the series called Unshakable, where we're looking at the unshakable faith of Daniel and how that unshakable faith exposed the, the, the faithfulness of God. How many of you know God is faithful? Hello, I need some help today. You going to help me preach? How many of you know God is faithful? In the book of Daniel, it's not about Daniel's lowest moments, if you will. It's about how God was with Daniel when he was low. Last week, we left Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 1, where the Babylonians were trying to train Daniel and and these Hebrew young men and they refused the, the, the food, the dietary plan of the Babylonians. And then in chapter two, we see that Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and Daniel interprets the, the dream. And before we get into chapter three, which is where we're going today, let me just say this. At the very end of the message last week, I gave you this thought that it's not about the position that we're in It's about the purpose within. I didn't have time to expound upon that. And today it is is the thought that I want to build upon. It's not about your position. It is about your purpose. And your purpose is always connected to the process of praise. I need you to grab that. Because that's the filter that we're going to use for this passage of Scripture. It's not about your position, it is about your purpose. And your purpose is always connected to the process of praise. Listen, here, you need to grab this. When I say and give you the term position, I'm using that term loosely. I'm talking about the status of life whether you're up, whether you're down, whether it's a mountaintop experience or whether it's a valley, whether you have security or insecurity, plenty or lack, health or sickness. If the priority in your life is your position, then your praise will be skewed. And the reason for that is because if the priority in your life is your position, when your position becomes undesirable, then you will lack a desire to praise. But God is looking for some but-even-if kind of praiser. God is looking for those who will praise Him. But even if I'm going through all of hell, I will praise Him. But even if I'm in the valley, I will praise Him. But even if I don't get that job, I will praise Him. But even if my kids are driving me nuts, I will praise Him. Do I have any but-even-if kind of praisers today? We're going to get there sooner or later, I promise you. So let me, let me read to you part of the narrative. Let me digress some and read one verse in chapter 2. Follow me upstairs. Chapter 2, Daniel, verse 49, sets up where we're going. It says, moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Hold on a second. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel all have a position. They've been given a position of rule in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Something happens in chapter 3. Chapter 3 says this. Randy, thank you for playing. You you can go. Thank you. I forgot you were back there. It just sounded so good. Y'all give it up for the praise team. Come on. Chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Let's just read some and then I'll pause and we'll do some work to unpack this narrative. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. And it's set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And he then summoned the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all of the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, perfects, uh, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all of the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed nations and peoples of every language. This is what you are commanded to do. Somebody say commanded. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the the harp, the pipe, and all of the other kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of, of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the harp, all of those other kinds of music, all of the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up at this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the jews and said to the king to the king nebuchadnezzar may the king live forever your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn the zither the fruit all of that other you know all of those other instruments must fall down and worship the image of gold and whoever does not fall down worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace but there are some jews There are some whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, all of those other kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God that we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not. Somebody say, but even if. Yeah. But even if he does not. We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. But even if. If, but even if, listen, you can throw us if you want to, Nebuchadnezzar, into the fiery furnace, but we are not going to praise you or the golden image that you set up. Listen, you may have given us this position, but what's more important to us is our purpose in God. But even if, but even if, verse 19, watch this, verse 19 says a lot. Verse 19 says, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be seven times hotter than usual. His attitude towards them changed. Now, hang on a second, because this is... In 19 verses, at the end of chapter 2, it says that Nebuchadnezzar favored them, placed them in a position, if you will. In 19 verses, his attitude towards them has changed. What I love about this verse of Scripture is even though his attitude changed towards them and their position changed in the process, their praise was not extinguished from their mouths. Even though his attitude changed towards them, their attitude towards God never changed. Let me reenact this this scene for you because for some of you, it's probably been since you were in children's church since you've heard this story. When they had that great technology, those flannel boards, you know what I'm talking about? How many of you remember the flannel boards? Y'all are just old, I'm just telling you. And so these flannel boards you know, you would take those little cutout characters and you would place Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on the flannel board. And then when it was time to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, you would just take the furnace out and you'd slap it on top of the, on top of the Hebrew boys. Well, there was a lot more that was happening than just that. Nebuchadnezzar, he creates, builds this monument. It's 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. He makes it out of gold as if to say this will never tarnish and my rain will always be here. But there is a discernible connection between chapter 2 and, and chapter 3. There is this discernible link between what happened in chapter two and what is now happening in chapter three in chapter two he had this dream that daniel had to interpret and god said through daniel he said that god will bring your reign and authority to an end so in chapter three to kind of refute what god has said he builds this statue and tells everybody you got to worship he has a ribbon-cutting ceremony, and he says, you gotta, you got to come, and you've got to bow down, and you got to worship. And when you hear the music, you got to stop, and you've you got to drop. This is what you've got to do when you hear the music, whatever that was. When you hear this music, you've got to stop and drop. And it was, a, it, was, it was a religious problem if you didn't do it, but it was also considered treason. You hear this music, in fact, the way the narrative is written in the Hebrew is as soon as the music begins to play, you gotta stop what you're doing and begin to praise God. As soon as the music begins to play. You gotta drop. And so you can be watch, you can be on the way, on the way to to. I don't know, on the way to the store, and you're on the way, and he's got people who are out watching, and if you're not doing what he's telling you to to do, then then you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, or you could be out fishing. I mean, just throwing a nice lure out, and you're fishing, and you're just, woo, you better stop what you're doing. Or here's one, you can be on Facebook. And all of a sudden, the music starts. You better stop what you're doing. Lift up your hands. Bow down, if you will, before. And the more that I thought about this concept, Michael, I thought, you know what? Sometimes God, let me back up and say it this way. Sometimes the enemy doesn't want to rob you of praise. He just wants to redirect your praise. He doesn't want to rob you of praise. He just wants to redirect your praise. You see, worship is defined by showing worth to something or or value to someone. And so, what the enemy wants to do is redirect your praise. And sometimes it's not so obvious as the music beginning to play, and you drop to your knees and begin to worship a false idol. But sometimes he will redirect our worship and we will begin to worship what God gave us rather than worshiping the God who gave it. Mm. Sometimes we'll begin to worship the blessing that God gave us. We'll serve that blessing rather than worship the God who gave it. Because we're position driven. We're status driven. So whatever you deem that has been a blessing of God, that's where your heart begins to be centered on. And the enemy is fine with you worshiping a blessing that God gave you as long as you're not worshiping the God who gave it to you. And so the position in your life, the place that you find yourself, becomes your reason for worshiping rather than the purpose that God has for you. It would have been so easy for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just to to, to say, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar has favored us, he's given us a position, God knows our hearts, and you know what, we're going to die, guys, so we better just do it, and I know God, or, you know, he knows our hearts, and he'll protect us, and, you know, so it would have been so easy for them to just stop and drop. But for them, their worship was not connected to their position, Their worship was connected to the purpose that God had for them in the position that they found themselves in. We live in this Instagram culture. Where we we take all of these selfies. It's kind of like our faith is the same way. It's like we want to take like all of these different selfies of of things that just shows the status of our lives is good. Y'all know how y'all be doing. You take all these selfies. I mean, your life could be a wreck, but you're taking all these selfies like, whoo, things is good. So, you know, it's like you could be on somebody else's, you know, on your Instagram, but looking at someone else's Instagram and and they've like posted a selfie of of their living room decor and you're like, oh, that's nice, but oh no, 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 she ain't got nothing on my den. Whoo, my den is Pinterest ready. I wrote something down. I don't want to miss this. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to miss this. So I'm going to give you. So hold on a second before I do. So think about this with me. So it's status. It's the position of our lives. If things are good. But hold on. Think about, think about the people of Israel. They leave Egypt going to the promised land. And when they get to the Red Sea, They've been enslaved for 400 years. They've been waiting on God to come and set them free. They're now free. They get to the Red Sea. They don't know what to do. We know the story. God parts the Red Sea. The people of the army of Egypt dies. The people of Israel live. And when they get on the other side of the Red Sea, because of their position, we are children of God. They begin to worship God. The Bible says they have a week long praise service. But then. A couple of days later, it gets hot in the desert and their position changes and they start to complain. Because the heat of the desert is not so Instagrammable. The heat of the desert doesn't, we don't want to take a picture of this. God can't be in this. And so what happens is something that, it's not necessarily as positionally appealing to what God can't be in this. You see, the enemy is, is going to try to redirect your praise. And you know that that God is, 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 is with you, but when what you're going through looks so much different than what you heard, what happens to your praise? What happens to your praise because do we go around and we just take all of these selfies of this golden image but but when that image begins to tarnish what do you do just move on to the next one do we just move on to the next blessing because that makes our praise positional rather than god centered hello That that baby's with me. That baby's like, praise the Lord, that was good. I'm just telling you. (laughs) But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not take a knee. So here all of these officials, they go and they tell Nebuchadnezzar, hey, look, those those Hebrew dudes that you brought here in exile, we've been training them. You remember they didn't want to eat what we were telling them to eat, and God showed them favor, and they looked better than our guys did. Well, now they're doing something. They won't bow down. They won't do what you told them to do. So, so look what happens, verses 14, 15. Let's pick it up in verse 15. Watch, let me, let me remind you. Here's verse 15. It says, now, here's, they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image that I made, very good. But if you do not worship, You will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves. Verse 17, if we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us. Hold on a second, because what's happening here is they are identifying to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who sees himself as the most powerful king. Why? He's already gone down to Egypt and he's destroyed the Pharaoh. He went back through Jerusalem. He's destroyed all of the people of Israel. He's taken all of their precious artifacts and the strongest people. He now has them in his own country. He's saying, I'm the strongest. My reign will last forever. And now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saying, hold on a second. If God chooses to deliver us, he's more powerful than you. But verse 18 says, but even if he doesn't. But even if he doesn't. Our praise is not connected to the position that you gave to us. It is not connected to who you say you are. It is connected to God. But even if we find ourselves down and out, we're going to praise him. But even if we're in a place that we didn't think we ought to be, He, we know that he's there with us. But even if I'm sick, he's worthy of praise. Even if I'm on top of the world, he's worthy of praise. If the world is on top of me, he's worthy of praise. Come Come on, somebody, help me praise him in this place. But even if, even if, but even if. So can you imagine this scene unfolding? You see, what you need to understand is real praise begins when we realize who's seated on the throne. I know right now some of y'all are saying, "Well, well, 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 Pastor Mark, we know God's on the throne. We know he's on the throne. But let me tell you something. Here's how the enemy works. If the enemy can make you think that God is out of control in one area of your life, just one area of your life, If you are positionally driven rather than purpose driven, now all of a sudden you begin to wonder, well, is God out of control in this one area of my life? Should I praise or should I not? Is he on the throne or is he not on the throne? Just this one area of my life, it seems to be out of control. I don't know if I should praise God or if I should or if I shouldn't. Is he on the throne or is he not on the throne? And then we begin to create this schizophrenic God. (laughs) Because our praise becomes positional praise. Our praise becomes only if versus but even if. Hello, grab that. It becomes only if rather than but even if. We create this schizophrenic God where, okay, I, I, if I feel like he's in control, then I'm going to praise him in this area because position is so much more important to, to me. And, and, and so if, if things are going good, yeah, God. If things are going bad, come on, God. You you You, you go to... You go, Michael, I'm going to use you again. You just stay right there. Just stay seated. You, you, if, if God is good, we know that he's on the throne. But if God is bad, oh, maybe he's not on the throne. If, if times are good, God's on the throne. If times are bad, maybe God's not on the throne. If I make good grades, God's on the throne. If we make bad grades, God seems to be off the throne. If you get that promotion at work, God is on the throne. Somebody else gets that promotion before you, where's God at? You're going to have a baby and God's on the throne. You find out it's twins and you're like, what? The doctor gives you good news. Yeah, he's on the throne. The doctor gives you bad news. Where's God? Your relationships are going exactly the way you planned. God is good. Right turn. Where is God? I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but somebody needs to hear this. You need to understand that God is always on the throne. He is great and greatly to be praised. It doesn't matter what you're going through, but even if I'm going to praise God, but even if it doesn't look like I thought it was going to look, I'm going to praise God. But even if it's not what I hoped it would be, I'm going to praise God. Is anybody going to get up on your feet and help me? Praise God. But even if, Somebody look at your neighbor and say, but even if. Hold on a second. Stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. I'm on. (laughs) The Bible says that all power, all might, all authority is his forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. To him who sits on the throne, the Bible said. Let me continue to read. I'm going to show you this. I know what time it is, but just bear with me. The rest of verse 18 says, But your majesty, this that we will not serve your gods and worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, and his attitude towards Meshach and Abednego changed, so he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Notice that there's no excuses in here as to why they're not going to praise. There's not like, well, uh, Man, I just, I had, you know, my my knee was hurting me, so I I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, there's no excuse. You see, let me, let me say this. If you'll remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tested with the little things in chapter one. It was like the food thing. Some of you do not experience the faithfulness of God. Because, and, and the faithfulness of God in a huge way, because you haven't trusted him with the little things. Some of you, you haven't seen the faithfulness of God show up in your finances in a huge way because you haven't trusted him with the 10%. Some of you haven't seen the faithfulness of God show up and favor you on the job because you you don't bring God glory on the job. I need to stop. I need to stop. I need to stop. Y'all don't want to hear that. And I don't want to get your emails, so, so, so... Then Nebuchadnezzar was, was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so he you, you know, heated it up. And then it says, and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the burning furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The, king commanded, uh, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Hold on a second. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and and, and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. Were there not three? (laughs) Hold, Hold on a second. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of this Hebrew narrative, it says that what captured the attention of Nebuchadnezzar was that when he turned around, walking away because he assumed they would be dead fairly immediately, he heard some praise come. And so he turned around and he said, Hold on a second. Were, were there not three? Did we not bind them up? You see, praise is powerful when it's directed towards the all-powerful. How many of you are football fans? You're football fans? I, I saw something, I read something last season sometime uh, where the Seattle Seahawks Stadium gets so loud and crazy during a, a football game when people are shouting and people are jumping up and down they put a seismometer outside of the stadium and when the stadium got so loud because of something that happened on the football field that it got so loud and and, and they were jumping up, up and down so much that a small earthquake was detected on the seismograph. It kind of reminds me of Jeremiah. It kind of reminds me of Acts chapter 16. And about midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas were in jail. And about midnight, they decided to put on some praise. And the Bible says, in an earthquake, happened and shook free all of the chains and everybody in the place was free. You see the earthquake came out of their mouths. It was praise that came out of their mouths and that's why verse 25 says that Nebuchadnezzar said, hold on a second were there not three? Didn't we bind them up? But now there seems to be four and the fourth looks like the son of God. Why? Because praise brings Jesus. When one praise happens, it's good but where two or three are Gathered in his name Jesus shows up. Somebody give him praise up in this place. Y'all making me preach way too hard. Woo Hold on a second, and then the rest goes like this Verse twenty six says nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted shadrach meshach and abednego servants of the most high god come out and come here so shadrach meshach and abednego they came out of the fire and the satraps the prefects the governors and the royal advisors crowded around them the same people who were saying you know what they're doing they ain't praising you they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies not nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Lord have mercy. You can go through it, and when you come out of what you've been going through, it's going to look like you had a day at the spa. Hello? Somebody smell your neighbor and say, you smell good. I heard that one lady say, Whoo, you need some deodorant. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. And their houses turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. No other God can save in, somebody say, but even if, but even if, look at your neighbor and say, but even if, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would say, Pastor Mark, I've heard this message today.